0: Hi, welcome to the As You Are podcast. It's Anna and Emily. We're back for our third week of Women in the Bible. We
1: are going to switch it up a little bit this week and talk about a woman who we don't even know her name, but her story is really incredible and it shows how Jesus responds to us. So let's dive in.
0: Awesome. So this was supposed to be our last week of women in the Bible. Yep, And it is for now, we're taking a little break, but as we were um, doing research on this, we kind of, I guess we thought there weren't that many women to talk about. Yeah. Cause there's only a
1: couple of famous ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so as we've been like gathering information, Emily and I have both been like, wait, we need to talk about her. Wait, we should talk about her. And there's yes. just not enough weeks. Three weeks was not enough.
1: Yeah. So Starting next week, I can't believe this, but it's going to be February, and so for the whole month of February, we are going to do a relationships series, all kinds of relationships, mm-hmm. so don't jump ahead in your thinking. It's not only about love, so we're going to talk about lots yeah. of cool stuff. <laughs> well, it is all about love, but it's about True. not about romantic love. Not all about romantic love. Um, so we're really excited about that series in February, but then I think we're going to come back to the women sometime soon, because I'm so fascinated by these stories. And I'm going to go down a short list of, I mean, this isn't even close to all of the women that we found, but these are some of the women that we were debating talking about this week. There's a woman named Rahab that I think is really interesting. She was a Canaanite woman who housed and hid these two Israelite spies and helped the Israelites claim the Promised Land, and because of that, her family was not killed, and she goes on to be the mother of Boaz, who we talked about last week. There's Mary Magdalene, there's a woman named Anna, there's a woman named Priscilla in the New Testament who is just super cool. She's in the Book of Acts, and I can't wait to talk about her story. There's also a woman named Miriam back in Moses's day. Yeah,
0: I'm at church this past Sunday, they actually talked about Miriam, and I texted Emily. I was like, "We need to talk about her. She is the sister of Moses, and she like plays a role in saving his life, and then later on becomes one of a, one of a prophetess. So she it's like prophet, but a girl. Um, and in researching her, we found out there was actually seven prophetesses in the Old Testament. Which is so cool. Yeah, I've never even heard that. I honestly
1: hadn't ever even heard of a single female prophet. so I'm Me either. <laughs> I'm excited to look into that. Then we're also we wanting to hit Eve because it's going to be cool to look back into her story. And there's a woman yeah. named Tamar who's also listed in the genealogy of Jesus. So we're just... Yeah excited about talking about some of these women just because it's been an encouraging reminder that even back in Old Testament times when culturally women were not respected and were not given a platform, God was using women. And once Jesus was born and started his ministry, he gave the utmost respect to women and partnered with women. Mm -hmm. And it's just so exciting to see.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And it's just like, I... I think as women, it's really impactful for us to study women in the Bible. Like, there's a lot of men in the Bible, but it's really cool to see the Lord using women. I think we can learn a lot from these women as well. So, we're excited about it.
1: We're going to look at a story today about a woman in the New Testament. And in this story and in a lot of other stories, we just see how much Jesus sees and interacts with people like they have complete dignity, no matter their background, no matter what they've done. Mm -hmm. So this story is a cool one to lean into today, because we don't even learn her name. But we see Jesus treating her in a moment of shame with the most love, with dignity, with grace, and then ultimately pointing her back to truth.
0: Yeah, it's in um John chapter 8 and it is really I think important to highlight the fact that in those days women, we've talked about this, but they were like not viewed highly at all. So the fact that Jesus even takes time to talk to this woman and to acknowledge her is a huge deal. Um and there's several instances throughout the New Testament where Jesus takes time to like sit down and talk to a woman that he encounters and that just wasn't the social norm. So it's easy for us to blow by that because that should be the social norm for us, but it wasn't then. Just know that as we prepare to read this story, that the way that Jesus responds to her is out of grace and out of truth, but it also would have been so socially not acceptable In those days.
1: Right. I mean, the Pharisees and scribes brought this woman to Jesus basically as a trap, knowing that he would Mm -hmm. have to condemn her. And so I just think it's so interesting how he responds.
0: Okay. It's in John chapter eight, and it's verses two through 11. So it says, At dawn, he appeared, he being Jesus in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. So kind of to give you guys a little bit of reference, so this would have been, the temple was a really popular place. There would have been a ton of people there. And this particular story actually also takes place during the Festival of the Booths. So there would have been even more people there. Just imagine like a huge crowd and Jesus is sitting down to teach everybody.
1: Would that be like everybody setting up a booth to sell stuff or something, like a, that type of festival?
0: No, it's not that. The festival of the booths, it's actually still practiced by Jewish tradition today. And I don't feel like I know enough about it to really speak into it. But I think it all ties back to like when they were wandering in the wilderness in Exodus mm. Orthodox Jews will, like, literally pitch a tent and you, like, live in it for a week.
1: Okay, yes, I just looked it up, and it's to commemorate when their ancestors were wandering in the wilderness and God provided these booths for them to shelter themselves in. So anyway, now we know. (laughs) Lots of people were there.
0: Yeah, to commemorate. So they were in the temple courts. It would have been super crowded, and Jesus is in the middle teaching, And it says the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, who were like the really religious people of those days, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law. Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a base for accusing Jesus. So that it's not even about the woman. And like, they clearly don't care about her. They're just trying to trick Jesus because they don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, I love the way that Jesus responds. He doesn't respond. His response is not a response. It's an action. It says, Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. And then again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. I love that too. Like thinking about the fact that the older people walked away. From, like Jesus essentially is saying like, hey, you guys have all messed up. So if you haven't messed up, great. Like if you haven't ever done anything wrong in your entire life, then sure, you be the first to throw a stone. And the older people who are like wiser and just farther along are like, dang it. Dang. All right. (laughs) We're going to walk away. I just like that it highlights that. I think that that's cool.
1: It was such a mic drop moment. <laughs> oh my like, gosh, yeah. They're like, this is perfect. This is like one of the most standard things. We're going to get him. We're going to get him.
0: Right. Like that was a law in those days. If you were caught in the act of adultery, you could be put to death, which is insane. But anyways, then, so they start to go away one by one. And Jesus had bent, bent down again to ride in the sand. So it says that Jesus stood up. And asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, sir. And then Jesus responds, neither do I condemn you. Go now, and from now on, sin no more. And that's where it ends. It's so good. There's so much to
1: look at. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. One of the things that I am thinking about is that Jesus came to establish a new covenant. These men, all the people that would have been at the temple, they had been practicing a certain type of religion for their whole lives, and he was here to establish something new. Yeah. The Pharisees, I always grew up hearing that word or that name and thinking they were bad guys just because they were mean (laughs) to Jesus, you know. But if we look at what they really were, they were extremely devout Mm -hmm. religious people who had been studying And devoting their entire lives living the way that they felt like they were told to live by God. But Jesus comes and and shows up on the scene and he basically says, scratch all those laws and here is the new way. And he talks a lot about forgiveness and grace and all of these people, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're like, no, like (laughs) the law here says this woman should be killed. How are you going to say that you're the son of God and not kill her right here in this temple? They're trying to trap him right here in front of everybody at this big crowded festival. And I just love his answer, like you said, because it's it's not about the fact that she was in the wrong. It's about the fact that we've all been in the wrong. That That's what his answer spoke to, is that, yes, yes she was in the wrong, but his answer spoke to the fact that we are not to judge other people. We're just not the judge of that. Yeah,
0: And I think what's cool as well about Jesus responding to the Pharisees in that way, like earlier when they bring the woman to him and they're like, what do you say? What are we going to do? Jesus bends down and writes in the sand, which is a moment of intense compassion for this woman. Because if you think about it, Jesus was in the middle of the crowd. And then it literally says that they brought the woman and made her stand before the group. Like that's word for word, what the Bible says. And so imagine being Jesus and you're seeing this woman and everybody's probably staring at her and he bends down and writes in the sand. And so then all the eyes go- What's he doing? From on the woman (laughs) to like on Jesus, you know? Like that's so cool that he's like, I'm gonna give her a moment of pause to like collect herself- because we don't know this for sure. Some scholars say that she literally was caught in the act of adultery and taken directly to the temple. So we don't know if she was fully clothed. Um, but I just think that that's really sweet to think about Jesus bending down, riding in the sand, giving her a moment to collect herself. But what's also amazing is he does it for the Pharisees too. Yep. Like he, doesn't, he bends down a second time after he responds to the Pharisees and I don't know about y'all, but if I'm in a fight with somebody, my hands go straight to my hips. You know, I'm like, all right, what do you have to say about that? Hmm? Like, if I've given a mic drop comeback, I don't bend down and ride in the sand. But that's what Jesus does. Like, he takes all of the attention off of even the Pharisees yeah. and back onto him, which is just like, it's beautiful. And I love that he responds in that way. Like, he's speaking truth, but he's also giving... So much grace to both parties, not just to the woman, to the Pharisees as well. Something that's been really
1: convicting and encouraging for me the past couple of months, going back through a lot of these stories, is recognizing that when I read them or understood them when I was younger, that I always was pointing to who was right and who was wrong. So in this story, I remember thinking, ah, these like mean, stiff, judgmental Pharisees. How could they be like this? And, you know, this poor woman, I I remember feeling sympathy for her, which is great. I I still do. But I feel sympathy for them too now. I don't know why, but like reading these stories again and, and seeing Jesus' response to both, like he is genuinely intent on ministering to and helping both groups of people. He's trying to just reframe our understanding of God and of what we're supposed to do.
0: And it's amazing, too, because like this woman, we don't know really anything about her. Like We don't know if she had a family. We don't know if she was from that town. We don't know if she had a job. We don't even know her name. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is going to respond to her any differently. Her standing in life didn't disqualify her from the grace that Jesus had to offer. Right. And you think about the fact that Jesus is fully
1: God standing there and this woman is caught doing something that would have had her put to death by other religious people. But God in human form is standing there in front of her and responds to her with nothing but grace. So it has to reframe how we think about God and how he responds to us every day. But... I do love that he says, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you, Mm -hmm. but go and sin no more because he wants better for her. He wants a life of peace and joy and
0: security for her and not the life of sin. Yeah. His response saying to the Pharisees, let you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. Like The only person that's left is the woman and Jesus, because he is the only one who has never sinned. And so like what you're saying is true. He could have been like, all right, well, it's just me and I've never sinned. So like I could technically throw a stone, but he says, neither do I condemn you. Like right? he's not letting her past define her, but he's also not letting her stay in her past. He is saying to her, your past doesn't disqualify you. But I know that your past and your patterns of life that are sinful are causing pain for yourself and for the people around you. And Jesus wants more for her than that. That's why he's saying sin no more. It's not from a place of, all right, you're being bad. Stop doing that. Like It's from a place of, hey, I I know that this life that you're living is only bringing you pain and shame and guilt. Yep. And so stop, there's more for you than that. If she has a pattern of committing adultery, like probably a life in the shadows, you know, he wants more for her than that.
1: Yeah, and to bring it full circle and back to how this applies to us, Jesus is fully grace and he is fully truth. He's calling us out of a life of shame and darkness and into the light with him. He's infinitely willing to give us grace, but He also wants us to go and sin no more so that we could have a full life with Him. One of my favorite takeaways from today is that both the Pharisees and the woman caught in adultery were in the wrong in their own ways. So maybe you relate more with the Pharisees. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life or you have been pretty good, and the sin that gets in your way is pride. Or maybe you relate more with the woman who was caught and other types of things have been the thing that get in your way. Jesus is offering grace and truth to both types of people. I love the message that's in the things that he says in this passage. The first thing he says is, let him without sin be the first to throw the stone. That means, who are we to judge? because none of us are perfect. And then he says to the woman, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more.
0: I do think sometimes our culture has told us that Jesus is going to respond like the Pharisees do. Like somehow that has become a fear, I think. Like it's only going to make me feel guilty if I come to Jesus. But instead what we're seeing is He's responding with grace and truth and not one without the other. You know, like he's not all grace. Yeah. He's not saying like, it's all right. You messed up. Do your thing. Like, no, he's he's responding with grace, but also responding with truth, which is hard to do. But I also think that's something we can learn from Jesus in this as well. How are we responding to people who right hurt our feelings or who have done something that we're like, dang, I really feel like that person should stop doing that. Like, we are not supposed to condemn people, one, but we also don't want to just sit by while our friends are hurting. How can we practice responding with grace and truth and truly practice because it's not easy? (laughs) It's not—you're not going to do it perfectly. It is not
1: easy. Yeah, I mean, he says— Basically, that there should be no end to the amount of times we forgive people. So (laughs) it's like, how do we recognize that in him towards us and extend that same grace outward? So that's our challenge for all of us, ourselves included this week, is just to notice God is fully grace and fully truth. Anna, would you
0: pray for us? Yeah, I would love to. Jesus, thank you so much for um, this woman. Thank you that we get to learn from her. We get to see how you respond to us in our own mistakes. Uh, God, I'm just so grateful that you respond with grace and truth and not one without the other, but with both. Uh, Lord, would you open our eyes to the ways that you're working in our own lives today? Uh, Open our eyes to the things that you're calling us away from, Um, or the things that you're calling us to. God, I just pray that we would see you more clearly and um, feel your love for us today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, we have worship night dates on the calendar for this semester. We are so excited. They're not announced yet, but stay tuned.
0: And then also, if you go to South Carolina or UNC, Bible Study has officially started up. That is going to be on Wednesday night. Bama Girls, first one is February 6th. And UGA is already going. Don't forget to check back in next week for our newest episode. Bye. Bye.